see, if you watch the Facebook video where I made the announcement about some of the different things this week, I told you it's all good stuff. Oh, excuse me, okay. See, that's what deacons do, um, by the way. They step in and do the little stuff behind the scenes. Uh, they're fantastic guys. I'm so grateful for them. So now, with all of those things, aren't you guys excited about what God's doing? Um, adding young men as deacons, bringing in, uh, sending out folks as much as we hate to see you leave. At least we have the joy of commissioning folks as we send them. Well, let's kind of take a few minutes then and talk about a little bit of where we are as a church. Again, this is all good news. Um, I made sure that I prefaced that on the thing because anytime I say that we're going to have any kind of announcement, I think people start thinking, oh, is he resigning? Oh, no, you're fine. All right. So let me give you a brief update on where we are as a church. How many of you guys know what our statement is that we have used for a lot of years around here as a church? What is our statement about our goal as a church? Our goal is love. You've hopefully seen it on the wall when you came in. We've got it all kinds of different places. It's even on the, the floor mats when you walk into the church. Now, that's a great sentiment, isn't it? You know, the idea that our goal is love. But what does it mean for us to love? Well, here's where we get that. Somebody tell me, what's the reference for the verse that we use for our goal is love? First, First Timothy 1.5. 1 Timothy 1.5, all right? Now, we can go ahead and put that up on the screen. The goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. You see, our goal as a church in all of the teaching we do, in all of the ministry we do, everything that we're doing, our goal is love. Now, we express that as loving God and loving others in our family, our church, our community, and our world. Now, by the way, there's a lot of different definitions of what love is out there, right? Um, in our culture today, uh, love is usually referred to sometimes in a romantic sense, right? Uh, when we say that our goal is love, although, yes, we want romantic love within the marriages in our church and hope that that grows and continues, at the same time, romance is not just, or love is not just feeling Twitter-pated. Uh, it's not just a, about, you know, kind of the, uh, the warm, fuzzy feelings that you get when you're new and in love, but rather, love is also not what our culture thinks because our culture thinks that if I love you, I don't have any right to tell you that you're wrong. So that's not love. The Bible defines love as Jesus laying his life down on the cross for us. And in the same kind of way, with that being the greatest demonstration of love, our love then is to reflect that same love that Christ has shown to others. So just like Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself so that I could know him, so that I could have a relationship with him, and through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, I could have hope and life and joy, in the same kind of way, I'm to give myself to Him first and foremost, then to my family, church, community, and world. But in just like a physician, you know, I've used this example before. If I was your doctor and I had done a CT scan on you this week and there was some unusual mass that I found when I did that CT scan, if I love you as your doctor, I can't just say, you know, if I tell him about that, it's really going to ruin his day. I... I don't want to upset him. I don't want to confront him. You know, it, hey, scan came back, you're fine. That's not loving. In fact, that's malpractice, right? That, that's actually, I think, illegal. That goes against the do no harm kind of idea of the Hippocratic Oath. No, my responsibility is if I see something in that scan that's concerning, I need to tell you that. And so in the same kind of way, the most loving thing that we can do as a church is look at God's word. 
and learn who God has called us to be and who he calls us to, have to be towards others. And when we say things that don't line up with that, part of the way we love is by calling folks out on that. Not because we're better, but because we care. Because Jesus is worth it. Because he's worth it. Now, again, we've expressed this as loving God first and foremost, then loving others in our family, our church, our community, and our world. Why do we do it like that? Well, because there's kind of a process. Some of you may have had a mom or dad who grew up taking you to church, and on Sunday mornings, they looked like the sweetest people on the planet. But for you, you knew when you got home, there was no love in that home. They were great at putting on a facade, but they had no genuine care. I hope that wasn't the case for you, but some of you have. That's why we start with loving our family. Because, see, if I truly love God, it should flow out first and foremost to the people who are closest to me, to the ones that I live with, the ones who see me at my worst. If I'm not loving them, then I can't love anybody else well. See, then it flows out to our church. You know, unfortunately, there are times when churches have gotten a bad reputation of not loving each other. If it's true that everybody here who claims to be a part of this church family has been saved, in other words, you've turned from trusting in yourself to turn to following Jesus, if that's true, then that means you are my brother or my sister in Christ. We're going to be together for all eternity, right? We're going to be in heaven forever. The thing that unites us, although we may have completely different backgrounds, completely different interests, different socioeconomic standing, different races, different whatever, the thing that unites us is that Jesus died and took my sin on the cross as he did yours. So if I can't get along and sacrificially love the people that I sit in these pews with, then you can forget trying to reach out to the community and work. Why would I want to go into the community and try to say, hey, you know what? You should love Jesus, and you should come to my church because we hate each other. Right? Hey, you know what? Jesus is so good, you should make sure you come to hear us fight. Now, here's the thing. We're a family. Sometimes families disagree. Right? I mean, if your family never disagrees, there is something seriously wrong. I'll be honest. We're not always going to see eye to eye, but we love each other. And the way you argue, the way you disagree when you love each other is different than when you're enemies. You understand? So we feel that God's called us to love him first and foremost out of a response to what Christ has done for us, then to love others in our family, our church, and as we're doing that, then to be able to start saying we love our community, the folks outside of this, these walls, the folks who are wandering around, Guys, if statistics are right, there's something like 75% of the people around us may not have a genuine relationship with Christ. Now, I know there's a whole lot of people in churches on Sunday. But there may be 75% of the folks out here who don't truly have a relationship with Jesus. We need to love them well. And with that as well, then, going beyond that to loving the world. Loving just beyond Christiansburg. I don't know if you realize this, but... The world's a whole lot bigger than Montgomery County. I know. I'm Christiansburg born and raised, right? I, I've been here since I was a kid. I've lived for about eight years. But the reality is there's a whole world out there with limited to no access to the gospel. There are literally billions of people who are dying today without having ever heard the name of Christ. Like, 
Let that sink in. We can't, we can't fathom billions. That's why when Elon Musk starts throwing around $44 billion to buy Twitter, it, it doesn't even hardly compute because it's such a massive number. But to think that there are literally billions of people in the world who have no access to the gospel. By the way, one of the things you'll notice as we talk about kind of where my heart is, if you're in Christiansburg, there's a, a good number of Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching churches. You can hear about Jesus in a lot of different places here in Christiansburg. Not only that, there's also Spirit FM you can turn on, and although I don't always agree with everything they say, I, I think the folks there love Jesus. You can turn on uh, Bible Broadcasting Network. You can turn on TV. You have free access to the gospel. So it's pretty easy to hear about Jesus in Christiansburg, except for the fact that we're not telling you. Not as often as we should be. But here's the thing. There's a world out there where it's not that easy. You see, something like 95% of the money that's raised in American churches stays in North America to reach approximately 5% of the population worldwide. As we look at loving the world, maybe there's things that God's calling us to do more than just a mission trip every year or two and a lot of money offering. I, I don't know. I don't know. But here's what our goal is. The goal of our instruction is to love God out of a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Pure heart, right with God. Good conscience, right relationship with other people. And a sincere faith that believes that God can do the impossible. So here's the question. How are we doing on our goal? How are we doing on reaching our goal is love? Well, let's go ahead and start off by saying it's hard to measure. It's really hard to find the target for exactly what it should be. Now, there's a few things that we can measure. In fact, we can go ahead and put this slide up. Some things that a lot of churches talk about. There's some neat things that we've seen, God. We have an average of 107 in worship since January. Last year's average was 93. So that implies for us that we're seeing God work in ways to allow us to see more folks coming to worship together on Sunday morning than we saw last year. That's a great thing. Now, how much of that is because of the pandemic and folks feeling more comfortable getting out? I don't know. We also just, we ran these averages this week after our two biggest Sundays of the year, which is Easter and Mother's Day. Uh, so the averages may settle out a little bit, but who knows? We have an average of 107 people in worship on every Sunday. Now, by the way, when we go through this, remember when we talked about the Our Church thing? This is God's church. The reason we celebrate that there's 107 where there were 93 last year is because we're celebrating the fact that that means there are more people gathering together to worship and honor God in this location than there were last year. Not because some kind of plaque we would get or anything stupid like that. It's about giving Jesus honor and glory because our goal is to love him more. We saw eight new members that we welcomed into the church family a few weeks ago. And we're going to actually be able to baptize at least three folks here in the, in the coming month or so as we get schedules connected. Then there's the other question that a lot of folks have. Some of you guys, I know you don't care a lick about money. And you're just like, I don't care. I give and it just goes and whatever. So let me just quickly try to give you a real brief rundown. Let me also give you the side note that church finances are really complicated. Um, there's some things that make it unique and different. Uh, so to the best of my understanding, I tried to pull these numbers this week off some reports that we have. Um, these numbers do not include what's called designated gifts, okay? So like if somebody gives to a particular thing, um, you know, to be used, like if somebody gives for a vacation Bible school, or somebody gives to Lottie Moon or Annie Armstrong, that's not in that year-to-date giving. So our annual budget, just so you can see, is $275,150. 
If you divide that out, we're in week 19 of the year. So that means that our year-to-date budget is about 100. And, uh, if we spent every dollar evenly throughout the year, which we don't, we'd be right at $100,535.58. Our year-to-date spending is right at $100,059.74. That's a good thing because for those who aren't familiar with what that means, that means that basically we're spending right on track with what we've budgeted. That's, that's a pretty good place. Um, we're, we're kind of on track. Cash flow changes throughout the year. Expenditure changes throughout the year. But we're in a, a pretty good split spot as far as that goes. Now, you'll notice that bottom number, that year-to-date giving. So you see that's 103,967.46. Again, this does not count some designated offerings that are out and, and some other things like that. But just out of the general fund giving, which is where when folks give their tithes and offerings, we've seen God provide 103,967.46. What does that mean? Well, it means that our giving right now is a little bit more than what we would have needed if we were spending everything evenly budget throughout the year. That is something only God could do. You know why? Because if you weren't with us last year or if you weren't paying a whole lot of attention when we approved the budget last year, there was an increase to our budget this year. So that means that we needed God to provide additional resources than we did last year, and God's been faithful to do so. So through your giving, you, we have been able to see God provide and keep us going right about where we need to go. Now, before you get super excited and say, well, cool, that means I don't need to give anymore. A um, couple of things about that. One, because everybody travels on vacation for for a summer, our cash flow usually drops during the summer. That's just part of life. It's kind of the thing. That's why one of the, the grades that you can help offset that is by setting up recurring giving through online giving. If you have questions about that, you can see Morgan, and she can tell you how to get that set up. And if she can't tell you to get it set up, she'll ask me, and then I'll tell her how to get it set up. So it'll be perfect. All right? So we've, we, that helps us to be able to maintain cash flow throughout the summer because you don't have to just be here to actually drop the physical check in. Um, the other great way for you to do that, too, is using your bank's bill pay system because we do pay a little bit of a fee on the online giving. Sometimes the bills, the bank pay thing is free. Uh, so it, like I said, you can talk to me or Morgan about that. We'll help you get that set up, okay? So that's one thing to note. Number two, like I said, sometimes expenses are higher, sometimes expenses are lower. The other thing about this is you don't give because the church has a need. That's not what the Bible's teaching. We give because we need to acknowledge that God is the one who's given us everything. We believe that God calls us to give a tenth of what he's given to us, to his work, to his kingdom, to be done. So we don't give because the church needs the money. We give because God's called us to give as an act of obedience. Now, as we look at the fall, when we look at what we want to see God doing in the future, as we continue to see God provide additional resources, that may open additional doors for ministry locally, internationally, who knows what, as God opens the doors through your faithful continued giving, okay? So just wanted to give you the quick mid-year update. God's great. Uh, by the way, the other thing that's not on there is God has graciously provided us about nine months worth of operating reserves. Um, so in other words, if nobody gave a penny, we would be able to operate it for about nine months off of what's in the bank. That's great as we go into these uncertain economic times with interest rates being what they are and all those kind of things. God's been very gracious to provide for our church and allow us to be in a very stable place for his work to be done. Okay? Cool. That's the exciting stuff, isn't it? All right. So we're talking about loving God and loving others. Here's the thing. Although we can track attendance numbers, we can track giving numbers, that's such a small slice of what God's doing. What we can't track is how many times have people sat down together to study God's Word? 
we can't track how many phone calls where somebody's called another member in church and prayed for them, or how many times somebody's pulled somebody aside in the hallway and lifted them up. We, we don't count how many times we've seen meals served, times that we've been able to minister to folks as they've been hurting. We don't have a record up here of how many hotel rooms we've been able to provide for folks who are in the area who may not be able to find a place to stay. That also doesn't include the 1200 and I believe, $78 that were given through the baby bottle drive to the Pregnancy Resource Center, who's working on protecting the lives of the unborn and creating a culture of life in the New River Valley. You see, as we have these numbers, so often churches are, are tempted to count dollars and seats. Uh, there's, there's different ways to say it that, that I won't say on a Sunday morning. Those are the easy things to track. What we can't track is how many people in our church family love Jesus more than they did a year ago. We can't track the number of tears that have been shed as we weep with those who weep, the number of laughter, the amount of laughter that's been shared as we rejoice with those who rejoice. Those are intangibles. So it's hard to say how are we doing when it comes to our goal is love. But as we look towards the future, how many of you realize that the last few years have been kind of weird? Does anybody, anybody feel that? I don't know. Just, there's been some stuff. It's just kind of been different. I don't know. A global pandemic has dramatically reorganized our world and our society. Folks are more tentative about things than they used to be. Folks are more burned out than they used to be. Folks are just all over the board. So if you remember a few months ago, one of the things that set out in our bylaws is that we would set up a leadership team, Right? The leadership team, that part of the leadership team's roles is that we would help provide strategic objectives and goals for the church. What, what is it that we feel like God's calling us to do and to become next as a church? So a few months ago, we appointed uh, myself and then Mike Montgomery and Tim Repass to be able to serve as the members of that leadership team. We sat down to start prayerfully thinking about what would it look like for us to, to start following God in different areas. Then we started to realize it's really hard for us to plan. You know why? Because we don't really know where we are. Coming out of the pandemic, coming into the season we're in, we know that there's a lot of things that aren't like they were last year or two years ago. Folks may have different priorities. There may be some things that we're doing really, really well that we don't recognize. There may be some other things that we think we're doing okay on that we're actually doing really poorly on. So what we've decided to do is to get a little bit of outside help. As a church, we have purchased an assessment tool that will allow us, it's, it's a like 10 to 15 minute survey for anybody in our church family to take to be able to, to kind of rate on, a, on from like the strongly disagree to strongly agree kind of scale how you believe our church is doing in different areas. Now, why would we do that? Why is that important for us? Well, I've been the pastor here for almost 11 years and I'm too close to the situation. Like I said, there are things that as we've walked through for the last 11 years, I may have neglected to see where God's done a tremendous work, and there's no way that I, I'll see it because I'm so used to the way things might have been at one time. There's other areas where maybe there's something I've poured a lot of my own personal energy into. I mean, I'm, I'm being real transparent, guys. And I may think it's going a whole lot better than it's actually going. So what we're going to do over the next month is, starting this week, receive an email from us that has a link to this assessment. 
if you've been at the church any length of time, if you're a member, if you're a guest who's been here long enough to kind of know what you see and, and kind of get a good picture of the church, um, if you're old, if you're young, if you're whatever, we want as many folks as possible to take this assessment to give us an idea of where are we. What is it that God's doing that's really shining strongly through his church here, Christiansburg Baptist? What are areas, though, where we're maybe just being disobedient because we're not doing what we need to do? So as we get those results back, we're going to, like I said, over the next month, you'll get multiple reminders about this. Uh, we'll send out an email this week. We'll be making announcements about it because we really want to see, God, where do you have us as a church so that we can start planning on where to go next? Have you guys ever heard the old adage of you don't take a fence down until you know why it was put there in the first place? You know what I'm talking about? So that's what we're doing. We're trying to figure out what's the fence there for? Why, where are we? What's going on? And then in the fall, we have a tool that we're going to use with our, our, especially with our ministry team leaders. We're going to try to get a folks together in a room. And Tim Repass has a tool we've used for his work and that we're going to kind of retool a little bit for our church to help us to kind of outline what are some strategic areas where we want to see God grow the church in the days to come. And again, growing the church does not mean that we're going to be the biggest church on the block. That is nowhere in this process, any way, shape, or form, a goal. Our goal is that we would grow towards maturity in Christ. Our goal is that we would be able to reach that goal of loving God and others and our family, our church, our community, and world. Like Romans 8 talks about, that we'd be conformed into the image of Jesus. Or that Ephesians 4 talks about, that we would grow up into maturity in Christ. That's our goal. So what we're going to do, like I said, we'll take the assessment over the next month or so. Then this summer, uh, the leadership team will get together and look at the results of the assessment and kind of come up together and say, hey, what is it that, that we need to, to really focus in on? And then from there in the fall, we're going to meet with our ministry team leaders and some other individuals and be able to say, all right, here's where what this shows. Here's what we see from God's word. Where do we need to go from here? Now, I know as soon as we start talking strategic planning, first off, about half of you just went click and you're done. I get it. There are others of you who, who get concerned about strategic planning because your fear is that if we do strategic planning, we're going to start pushing what we want instead of what God wants. And that's a very real danger. However, we need to, we, I want you to understand very clearly our heart as a leadership team, my heart as a pastor. Everything we plan, we plan in pencil. Okay? We have no idea when the next pandemic will come up, when the next global unrest will happen. However, we also believe that God gives folks wisdom and that there's wisdom in trying to kind of chart a course as we plan in pencil, surrendering all of this to him. Um, in the old days in the UK, they used to, when they would announce a church event, they would put TLW on the bottom of the, of the event flyer. You know what that meant? The Lord willing. So like we're going to have a men's fellowship on June the 17th, Lord willing. You know, the old saying around here is good Lord willing and the creeks don't rise, right? So, as we sit down to strategically plan, what we're looking at is, God, where do you want your church to go to honor and glorify you in unique ways? So that's kind of where we're headed. What are you supposed to do from here, though? As an individual church member, what is it that you can be doing now? Well, let me get you a list. Number one, pray. Well, duh. No, listen, I am dead serious about this. In recent weeks, I have seen as our church family was praying for uh, another pastor's wife in town, we have literally seen God move in a miraculous, undeniable way to do something only he could do through the power of God's people praying as our church and other churches prayed for Katie Johnson, who's the wife of Brett Johnson at Valley Bible Church. 
okay? We have seen God move in direct and swift. So as you're praying right now, I need you to be praying for your church. I need you to be praying for God to do what only he can. This is not a trite, oh yeah, pray and read your Bible kind of thing. We need you to pray that God would give us wisdom to figure out where are we and where does he want us to go. You say, well, Sean, it's easy. We're supposed to be a church. Great commission. Yes. What does that actually look like? There's a million opportunities out there. So which ones are the ones that God has for his church here? Pray for the needs within the body and pray for the needs outside the body as well. Pray for God to guide our leadership team and our ministry team leaders as we look at the opportunities he's setting in front of us. So first thing is pray. Second thing, what do you need to do now? Keep obeying Jesus. Keep it up. Guys, I'm floored weekly by hearing about the ways that people are growing in their faith, the way that they are loving Jesus, the, the ways that they're ministering to each other. Like I mentioned, faithful attendance, faithful giving. All of these things that you're doing to obey Jesus, don't stop. Don't just sit back and wait and say, well, I'm just going to wait until Sean tells me in the fall what to do. Okay, That's not how this is going to work. That's not how this process goes. Keep obeying Jesus in yourself, your family, in your, in your Sunday school classes, your other small groups. So many are already serving in incredible ways, encouraging one another, studying the Bible together. Don't slack off now, okay? Beyond that, number three, real practical thing, complete the assessment, okay? Like I said, I'll email you a link this week. It's about 10 to 20 minutes, depending on which screen they show you. Um, you just sit down, and it's one of those always, sometimes, never kind of things. It's from I somewhat or strongly agree to strongly disagree off all these statements like, uh, I'm excited to come to church on Sunday. Strongly agree, strongly disagree, you know, and then in between, okay? So it's one of those. Complete the assessment. Some of you guys geek out on that. You take all the BuzzFeed quizzes about what kind of pie you are, so this is no big deal for you. Um, but if you have any trouble doing that, if you're maybe not so comfortable with technology and need somebody to help sit down with you. Oh, by the way, let me remind you, too. This is completely anonymous, okay? You don't put your email address into it. I don't get a list of who's done it. None of those things. Be honest. It does us no good if you sit there and say, well, I think everything is wonderful. It's not, okay? Don't, I, I don't want to hurt Sean's feelings by saying, hurt my feelings. It's okay. I'm used to it. It's part of it. No, because Jesus matters more than I do. That's his point. If we come to the end of the assessment and God says, hey, you know what? Sean needs to not be the pastor. Okay, great. For him to get glory. I don't think that's what happened, but it could be. So complete the assessment. All right? Take the 15, 20 minutes to do that. Uh, when you receive the link, please get on it and complete it as soon as possible. I mentioned we're going to kind of remind you about this for the next month, but please don't be the guy who's like, I'm going to wait till the last minute to get it done. All right? Please just do it. The as soon as you get the thing, sit down and, re and go through it. Okay? If you need help with it, let me know. We'd love to sit down and uh, walk you through it in the office or something like that. Then number four, this is a little bit different one, and I couldn't figure out exactly how to phrase it. Prayerfully picture what God wants to do next and how you can be a part of it. What is your dream for this church? Now, I don't, you may not have ever thought of it that way. I, I don't know. If, if you could sit there, like, you know, if you remember Solomon's dream, you remember when God came to Solomon and said, you know, I'll give you anything you ask, and, and he asked for wisdom, and, and God blessed him. What if God did that for you about our church? What if, what if God said, Sean, I will give you exactly what you think Christiansburg Baptist Church needs to be and become? What would that be? 
You say, well, Sean, that's not ours to decide. Well, you're right, it's not, but it's okay to dream. It's okay to, that's why I said prayerfully picture. Let your imagination run. Does it look like us opening the building to a Hispanic church plant and partnering with them to be able to reach the Hispanic community in Christiansburg? Does it look like us training up a team and sending them out to plant a church somewhere that doesn't have one? Maybe even a group of families relocating for jobs or whatever to be able to go and plant a church somewhere that needs a new gospel witness where they are? Does it look like us sending 16 missionaries across the globe? Does it look like us getting to the point where we're opening up our homes on a nightly basis to be able to see our neighbors come to know Jesus? What does it look like? Here's why. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to his power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Whatever your dream is for Christiansburg Baptist Church, whatever you think it could be, God can do more. Now it may look completely different. And this is not a guarantee that, you know, if God lays on your heart, or if you feel like, man, we really need to start a recovery ministry, that that's guaranteed what we're going to do. But dream. Think about it. If money were no object, if we had unlimited people, unlimited resources, what do you want to see God do? Spend some time prayerfully picturing it and asking God to bring it to pass. Why? Because isn't he worth it? You see, if you're here and you're not a Christian yet, you may think all this is so weird. We've been touching people. We've been doing all this stuff. Why? Because there's a God in heaven who loved you so much that he would come to earth and die in your place. He loved you so much that he would be raised from the dead to give you new life. And now he's the one who's in charge of all of creation. And he invites you into his kingdom. He invites you to be a part. He invites you to find hope and purpose and joy like you can't find anywhere else through peace, through what Jesus has done. And if you're here this morning and you've never come into that relationship with Christ, let me challenge you to do so. I'm going to stick around for a few minutes after the service, and I'd love to help you with that. But this morning, if you're here and you know Jesus, we, want, we believe there's more. I mean, I, I just flat out do. There's, God has brought so many incredible people into our church family in the last few years now. God's allowed us to have these financial resources. He's given us this facility that gives us a great base for ministry. And we want to see him use it to the fullest extent of his power. So that's where we're at. That's where we're headed. If you have any questions, you can see me, you can see Tim, you can see Mike. Let us know. And let's pray together about what God wants to do. In fact, we typically would give an invitation at the end of a service. But today, since it's a little bit different, I'm just going to lead us in prayer. And then we're going to be dismissed. Like I said, if you were going to talk to me about Jesus during the invitation, talk to me after church. I'll be around and would love to talk with you. If you have any questions, if you have concerns, if you have hesitation, please let us know. Don't just talk to everybody else about it before you talk to me, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the slices of church life we've seen today. 
We thank you for Denise and Stan and the way that you've used them in our church family and even the boys as they've been in town. We thank you for the way you've used them in our church. And now we thank you for the privilege of sending them out with you. We thank you for Ricky and Gina and the way that you've worked in their life to work in Ricky to provide that character that he needs to be able to serve your church as a deacon. And so as we set him aside officially for that role, we pray you would continue to equip him and our other deacons as well to take care of so many different needs in our church family for your name and your glory. And God, we confess we're not where we need to be as a church. There are things we're not doing that we need to. Maybe even some things that we are doing that we don't need to. But we don't have the wisdom to see that on our own. We need you. Would you use this time then of reflection, uh, of looking at the assessment? First off, God, we thank you for every person you bring on a Sunday morning to worship you. We thank you for every dollar that you have provided for your work and ask for you to guide every single expenditure we make. Because we want to be able to stand before you as a church, gathered in heaven, standing before your throne, saying, Jesus, this is how we felt you led to honor you. So God, we we pray that you do that. Help us to see clearly where you have us today and what you desire to do in the days to come. We thank you that all of these things are such wonderful things. We're not standing up on Sunday morning talking about a church split or a church fight or us being out of money or any of these things, but we're able to rejoice in the strong place that you have put your church. So God, use us for your kingdom and your glory as the way you see fit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All right, well, go out this week and keep sharing Jesus wherever you go. Keep praying for each other and know that you are loved. All right, God bless you. You guys are dismissed.